0: Thank you guys. What an honor, uh, a true honor for, uh, for us to be here today. And let me say on behalf of all of our missionaries, we are truly uh, honored to be your guests, to be here with you, to get to share what we do. And uh, today I'm going to be sharing with you uh, stories about Sierra Leone. You know, that's where we work in West Africa. But uh, please uh, make sure today... Uh, when you talk to your missionaries out in this area, ask them, you know, tell me stories about the work of God that you do where you're at. And it is amazing how God is working across this world. And we are so thankful for all of you guys at Crown Point that pray for us, that support us, uh, because when we go, we know that you, our guys, are together with us. So let me introduce my wife, Joanne. She's in the slide there. So we've been in Sierra Leone the past three and a half years. We were partly uh, in Togo while we were there because of Ebola, but as soon as Ebola uh, dissipated, we were able to get in the country. So uh, we have a family. My, uh, my next slide there is my kids' uh, uh, my daughter and son-in-law, Kyle and Casey uh, Butterfield, and my little grandson, Judah. Oh, he's a treasure, So, but I don't have time to tell you all about Judah. So uh, my son, Caleb, uh, as you can see there, he graduated from Dakar Academy. He went to boarding school, not as a punishment, but as part of the plan of God. He loved boarding school, so he was up in Senegal while we were in Sierra Leone um sierra leone is in west africa and by the way caleb's in college now but it's in west africa and our one of the unique things about our country it's about six and a half to seven million uh it is a muslim majority country but it's a country in which we are free to preach and teach the gospel and so what we do is pastor dennis said we do teaching training and we help engage in church planting. My wife works specifically more in children's ministries training, and I work more in pastoral ministries training as well as teaching in the Bible school. So, of course, as I was saying, my stories are going to be about Sierra Leone, but I'm going to try to focus this so that we really talk about what God is doing across the world. Uh, Let me just begin by a little story about a man named Abubakar. I was out doing some teaching and training. I went to a church uh, much like this and they told me, they said, come out and teach us and preach on the baptism in the Holy Spirit. So I was out there, we, we drove out in our Speed the Light truck. We have this terrific land cruiser, can go just about anywhere in the country. Thank you, Speed the Light. Thank you, youth. So we get out there and as I get out of the truck uh, to, the, to the church, there's a guy that lives next door. And that was him. Um, And I went, I thought, I'm going to go meet this guy. So I go to meet him and I I find out his name is Abubakar. He's a Muslim. And I begin to share the gospel with him. I told him, I said, hey, tomorrow I'm going to be at that church right there. I'm going to be preaching. Why don't you come and hear me? And I thought, there's no way he's going to come. You know, it's a small town. Everybody knows what each other does in small towns. And I knew all of his friends would know if he went to church. But you know, the next day he came to church. I was so shocked. And as I'm preaching there, I'm preaching and I share the gospel. I give an altar call. He doesn't move at all. At the end, though, I decided I'm going to go talk to him again. So after we dismissed, I went out. And I talked to him again. I said, hey, Abubakar, I need to talk to you some more about Jesus Christ. And I began to share the gospel in a very simple method again with him. And he said to me, he said, oh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to become a Christian. I said, you know what? I understand. He said, but let me tell you this, Abubakar. Do you know that God has a promise for every person? He said, what's that? I said, well, here's the promise. One day, you're going to die, and without Jesus in your life, you're not going to go to heaven. I said, Abubakar, don't wait. Don't wait. And so I prayed with him, jumped in my truck, and we left and drove back home. Well, I'm going to finish my story about Abubakar, but you got to stay awake until the end. Amen? (laughs) Amen. You want to find out what happened? All right. No going to the restroom. Okay. No, I'm teasing. But uh, that won't be to the end, so you have to kind of schedule that. All right. So today we're going to be out of Mark chapter 10. I'm going to share some stories with you. I'm going to share some, some stories, then I'm going to share the story, the big story, the greatest story of all, and then I'm going to share a story of what is yet to be what is yet to be the first one is in mark chapter 10 verse 13 through 16 this one is a story of how these little children had been brought out to jesus now you can imagine this jesus is this great teacher he's there and these parents are bringing their children out to jesus verse 13 through 16 it says that jesus was laying his hands on him and he's blessing them and the disciples get angry Why? Because they are deeply offended that these kids would have the gall to be crawling around over this great holy man. They're upset at the parents. Jesus gets upset, but not at the parents. He gets upset at the disciples because the disciples began rebuking the children. And this is what Jesus says. He says, do not hinder these children, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. What was he talking about? You know, there's there's many ideas in here, but one of the big, big ideas is this, is that the kingdom of God is open. In other words, God is approachable. You see, there is something about lost people and the mission of God that we need to remember, and that is that God wants to save lost people. His kingdom is not a kingdom that's hidden in that sense. He has revealed himself through his son because God is seeking after lost people. And when we go to Muslim peoples or any peoples in this world, we're telling them, hey, you can be saved. God can change your life. Amen? It's a big open kingdom. Now, the next story I want to share with you is kind of the opposite of the first story it's like the opposite side of the coin this one is in chapter 10 verse 17 through 22 now this one is about a guy that i think the disciples were really keen on they like this guy he comes up to jesus he's wealthy which always is kind of a plus you know you're thinking you know if we get this guy saved jesus he could give to the offerings right And not only that, when he comes to Jesus, what does he do? The scriptures say that he bows down. So again, this is kind of rubbing the disciples in the right way. Now, Jesus, this is the kind of man we need. Look at him bowing down. And then he asks an intelligent question, probably unlike anything the children said that day. He says this, teacher, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And so Jesus begins to uh, talk about different commandments, and it's so interesting, this guy says to Jesus, an astounding statement, I have kept all of these since I was a child. Now many of you parents, how many of you are thinking, wow, I would have loved to have had a kid like this. I think the guy may have been fudging a little bit, you know. I wonder that he was. But interestingly enough, Jesus does not fall for the trap. He doesn't discuss whether the guy had kept all the commandments or not. He just simply says this. Well, you know, you do lack something. Go and sell what you have and begin to give to the poor. And then come follow me. What happens to the guy? What happens? He goes away sad. And I want you to notice the contrast between this guy and how when he met Jesus and the children and what happened when they met Jesus. The children, ah, they're climbing all over him. But this guy, he goes away sad. Why? Because it's trying to teach us something. Yes, God wants all people to be saved. The kingdom of God is open, wide open. But you know what? The kingdom of God is also very narrow. See, I couldn't say to Abubakar, hey, you know, just just don't worry about it. You're saved already, Abubakar. Look how religious you are. No, I couldn't say that. I had to say to him, you know what, Abubakar? There's only one way to heaven, and that is Jesus Christ. Christ you know this reminds me of my next story this one is about a dear friend of mine named Muhammad Muhammad was my watchman he's I'm still in contact with Muhammad almost on a weekly basis we contact each other through whatsapp and um, he was my day guard, and and Muhammad is is part of a a group called the Soso tribe. The Sosos are a UPG Unreached People Group, and not only that, but but there's just so so few Sosos that have met Jesus Christ personally. And Muhammad is a wonderful guy. He is honest. Uh, if I had left a uh, 100,000 leones which is like uh, about uh uh 13 bucks. If I had left, you know, uh that money sitting out in the compound, you know the next day it would still be there. Muhammad would not touch it. No way. He was honest. He was a hard worker, he was loyal, he loved my wife and I. And he was also very religious. He prayed five times a day, so much so that you know Muhammad, he's 34, 35, I think. He has calluses on his knees and the tops of his feet. Why? From praying five times a day all of his life. You know, one of the last conversations I had with Muhammad face-to-face was actually taking just a few minutes within this photo. I was getting ready to leave to come back to the U.S. to itinerate. And he told me, he said, Mr. Jordan, I just got to talk to you. I said, what is it, Muhammad? He said, you know, I love Jesus. I I really do. But I got to follow Muhammad. And I said, oh, Muhammad. You know, Jesus said, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to God, the Father, except through Him. I know you're sincere when you say that, but you see, you can't. There are two different paths, Muhammad. There's only one path to God the Father, and that's through Jesus Christ. My friend, Muhammad is like so many lost people that I know. They don't respond the first time or the second time or the third time or maybe not even the 50th time. And you see, my friend, this is part of the reason as missionaries we must go. We must work and work and work and work and work because we don't know when the day Muhammad will say, I'm ready to follow Christ. And we got to keep on and keep on and build relationships with lost people. That's part of what we do as missionaries. It's really not about a program or a method. It's really about building relationships with people that are lost. And that's why your faithful support month after month after month enables us to do our work and to live there, to work there, to give our all, because we don't know when Muhammad will get saved. It may take years, but I've got a friendship, and he keeps on texting me, and I keep on texting him back. Will you pray for the Muhammads, not just in Sierra Leone, but I mean the lost people all over this world that need Jesus Christ. Well, chapter 10, verse 28, there's another little phrase here. I call it a story. It, it's really not a story, but it's a summation of a story. Chapter 10, verse 28, you've you got to remember what's happening here. The rich man walks off and leaves Jesus, his head's hanging down. And then Peter speaks up and he says, Lord, we've left everything to follow you now a lot of times peter might have exaggerated but he wasn't exaggerating this time because you know what when you read the gospels you will really see that that indeed is what happened they left everything to follow jesus christ And you know, that story of abandonment into the heart of God, into the mission of God has been repeated throughout history and it's been repeated even today in Crown Point. There are some of you, your life was going this way and all of a sudden you met Jesus and your life, it took off the other direction. And your family said to you, are you crazy? What are you doing? You're going to become a religious fanatic. That's what they told me when they got saved. Well, you know, go to church, Brent. but really, you don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to really pray. And then, of course, when I became a missionary, it all went downhill. But, but all of a sudden, your life totally changed. And, you know, we see that in the work of God. I, I want to tell you a story about a, name, a guy named Pastor YY. He's on my next slide there. I can see, let me tell you just a little bit about Sierra Leone. You see there, all of the stains on our shirts? That's not stains. That's just good old sweat. So if you ever want to get your pores cleansed, go to a tropical country and you can do that. Anyway, so Pastor YY and I work together. Uh, He's a church planter, but he wasn't always a church planter. He was a Muslim guy that had gotten saved, and he wanted to go back to the area of his home. He's in a far uh, isolated area uh, there where we work. He wanted to go plant a church back there. When he got back there to plant this church, the tribal council that controlled the area wouldn't let him do it. They told him, we do not want a Pentecostal church in this area. You're going to have to go somewhere else. He said, okay, okay. And so he went to his house there, and he began to win his neighbors to Jesus Christ. Or, of course, the tribal council finds out about it. They get all upset about him. They told him, you can't plant a church here. We told you you can't plant a church. He said, you didn't say I couldn't win my neighbors to Jesus, and that's what I'm doing. And so he kept winning his neighbors to Jesus. They started meeting for prayer. And then the tribal council found out and they began to threaten him. So he told his people, he said, you know what, guys? We can't meet for prayer in the daytime anymore. So after midnight, I want you to come to my house and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray because God is going to give us a church. And so they began to pray after midnight. The tribal council finds out again. And they literally threatened to arrest him. They brought him before the council and threatened him. And this is what he said. Y.Y. said to him. He said, haven't you guys ever heard about Moses, Pharaoh, and the children of Israel? He said, you know what? God's going to change your heart. And you're going to give me land, and I'm going to plant a church on this island. He kept on, and he kept on, and he kept on. And look at the next slide. That's Pastor Whitewise's Church. Amen? Amen. You see, my friend, missions is not just about I've got to get people saved, but we as missionaries are investing in the kingdom because it's not so exciting what I can do. But when someone gets on fire for Jesus that has never known him before and his Holy Spirit is poured in, then it's just like pouring gasoline onto the fire. Amen? Amen. And then the work of God goes on and on because we don't try to make it where it all centers around the missionary. We try to make it where it centers around the kingdom because it's about the kingdom growing. And in the same way that God touched your heart, God is touching people's hearts all over this world. In Russia, in South America, in Australia, in China, in Kansas City, wherever you are, God is touching people because of your faithfulness and your prayers and your investment in the kingdom. How did it all get started? This is where the story of stories comes in. Mark chapter 10 verse 32-34 They're still going up to Jerusalem. All these things have happened, these little episodes along the way. As they're going up Jesus looks at his disciples in verse 33. He says, We're going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be delivered over to chief priests, teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death, hand him over to Gentiles, who will mock him, spit on him, flog him, kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. See, this story, my friend, is a story of stories. It is about how God saw a lost world, and he gave his son. You know, Remembering back on my own time before I met Christ, I was hopeless, confused. I was a slave to sin. I don't know how many times I told people, I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to stop this, stop that. And then I went right back into the mud pit. But all of a sudden, when I met Jesus, God wrote a new story on my life. You see, God, when he writes, he writes with an ink that is will forever change that person. His pen is not filled with blue ink or black ink. It's filled with the blood of Christ. And he writes a new story on our hearts. And you see, missions is about sharing the gospel because there are some stories of hopelessness in this world, my friend. And as we share this gospel, all of a sudden God takes that person and he writes a new story on their hearts. And their life begins to have meaning and purpose and a new beginning. Now the last story I want to share is in verse 28 through 31. This is a story that is yet to be. Remember I told you I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. I'm going to tell you the greatest story of all. And then this is the story, it's not finished. And the cool thing is, you are part of this story, or you can be. You get to be part of the finishing of this story. You remember Jesus had talked to, uh, Peter had talked to Jesus. He says, Lord, what what will be done for us? Peter, what he was thinking was this We've we've given everything. And in his mind, he was kind of like weighing the scales. Lord, I gave this much. Now, are you going to give this much? I mean, have you? I I think, I guess all of us have thought that a time or two, right? Lord, I gave, wow, I gave a lot in the art. Look at how much we gave this year. It's not a bad thing. I mean, you are you will get that little thing in the mail. They still do that in the States, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you get that in the mail. Wow. Thank God. But this is kind of what Peter was thinking. Is it gonna be equitable? And maybe you're thinking that today because maybe God has begun to speak to you about missions, about Maybe maybe one of you, you have a kid that's called to be a missionary. I was talking to little Tanner earlier, and he was telling me about his sister. I don't know where his sister is, but anyway. Maybe one of you has a call. God's speaking to your heart about some place, wherever it is. And you think, Lord, what's going to be done for us? Jesus said this. No one who has left home or brothers or sister or mother or father or fields for me in the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. Homes, brothers, mothers, sisters, children, fields, and along with them persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. You see, the kingdom is really not about justice or, or equitable justice. Kind of like we do it. I give this much, you give me that much. It's not a transaction. The kingdom is about surrender all you have, and God says, I'm going to give you all I got. And let me tell you, if you give all you have, God is going to give you more than you ever imagined. Amen? The kingdom is not about equality of giftings. The kingdom is about grace. And when you surrender what you have, as you are faithful to the work of God, no matter what it is, as you give your all, as you abandon yourself into the work of God, into the mission of God, God pours out all that He is. And let me tell you, all that we are is a speck compared to all that God is. And He will pour forth His grace far more Than you ever poured out for him. All over this world my friend. People are waiting to hear the call of Jesus. Come unto me. Those who do so freely. Will enjoy his presence. But we cannot come to him in the world. That's the way that works. Coming to Jesus does mean abandoning ourselves. He is our fulfillment. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. As followers of Jesus, we are like him. He left his home, and he, he surrendered to his father's plan. And let me tell you, I'm here today to remind all of us. Christian, this world is not your home. You and I are called to abandon ourselves to the things of this world and to follow him. All over this world, there are people who are lost, whose stories are empty, full of confusion, full of pain. And they have yet to hear the only story that really matters, the story of the gospel. Others have heard the story time and time again. But you see, they need to hear it one more time. And after that, if they haven't surrendered to Jesus, they need to hear it again. But you know, many in different parts of the world have honestly never heard the gospel, not one time. As a missionary, the reason I signed up to be a missionary... I want to be a part of people's story, the story that God is writing. I want to be a part of it. I don't know how much I'm going to get to be a part, but I just feel like I want to abandon myself to his story. And it's sometimes scary, sometimes requires sacrifice. It's true. But what an adventure! What an adventure when you say, "God, I surrender my plan for Your plan." Well, I told you I'd finish Abubakar's story, and we can go back to his slide if you want. It was so cool that day, and I I prayed for him, and then we left. He lived about three and a half hours from my house, and so. My wife and I were out doing some work one day, going to do some ministry. I told her, I said, hey, I want to go by uh, the, the town where he lived, Mashaka. I, I want to check on this guy. So I, I pull up into the churchyard, and I uh, get out of the truck, and the pastor of that church is there. And uh, when he comes out, he he had a very concerned look on his face. I could tell something was wrong. And he said to me, as soon as he saw me, he didn't even greet me, which is very un-African to do. He said, Brother Jordan, Abubakar is dead. I said, oh my goodness. He said, you know, just a couple of weeks after you left, he died in his sleep. And we sat just kind of comprehending that. And then he turned his face into the biggest smile. He said, but you know what happened? He said, what? He said, you know what? About two days before he died, he came and knocked on my door. He said, Pastor, I think I want to become a Christian. Will you pray with me today? And he gave his life to Christ. See, that's the way the kingdom works. It's not complex. It's really quite simple. Jesus said, come to me. Come to me. All he had to have was that simple gospel. And I believe he is in heaven today. Now I have one question for you. We talked about stories, right? What's the story of your life going to be? Today, I want to challenge you. Let God be the author of your story. Don't try to work it all out. Give Him your heart, your life, and your all. Begin to support the mission of God like you have never supported it before. Abandon yourself to the work of God. Say, God, I'm not going to give a part. I'm going to give my all. And then my funding will be the fruit of the surrender of my heart. Scary stuff. But let me tell you, you're going to be amazed by the story that God is going to write. Not just in your life, but in the lives of others. Because you gave. You're all, you're all. Let me pray for you. Oh God, maybe there's someone here today that doesn't know you. And Lord, here in a missions convention of all places, what a day to begin a relationship with you. I pray you would touch their hearts. Maybe there's some that feel a call to the mission of God. They don't know how it's going to work out. Don't know exactly where it's going to go. Just something's pulling them. Help them to surrender that as well. In Jesus' name, amen.